first change at the quarterback position for the Chargers in 14 years means changes up and down the office. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic. We are now wrapping up our fifth week of this show's existence and of our State of the Team series. So thanks for joining us through our first 25 shows. I'm your host, Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, happy Friday, my man. Happy Friday. Good to be getting through another week, getting closer to the end of 2020. We're in the second half of the year. (laughs) Definitely feels good. I think we'll all be happy. I'll be very happy, especially if we can get 16, 17 good weeks of football and a good fantasy football season ahead. That's what we've been trying to get you prepared for with this State of the Team series. On today's episode, we cover the Los Angeles Chargers, and to do that, we bring on our Chargers beat writer, Daniel Popper. Daniel, what's going on? Not too much. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a different look that you've got for the Chargers after 16 years with Phillip Rivers uh, on the team, 14 years as the starter. He is gone now in Indianapolis. Tyrod Taylor takes over as the quarterback. Pretty obvious that these are two radically different styles of quarterback play. How does the team plan to build a new look offense around Taylor? Yeah, I would go as far as to say they're polar opposites. Um, you know, you have a guy in in Philip Rivers who is always going to push the ball down the field. He's always going to try and fit the ball into tight windows. He's never going to hold on to the ball because he's worried about throwing an interception. Um, you know, some would call it reckless. Other would just call it aggressive. It depends sort of on your perspective on on quarterback play. Tyra Taylor, on the other hand, is the is the exact opposite in terms of how he protects the football. Um, among quarterbacks with a thousand or more passing attempts in the history of the league, he's second in interception percentage behind only Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers at 1.4%, Taylor's at 1.5%. And and that's really what is intriguing about Taylor for the Chargers. Uh, you know, Anthony Lynn, his coaching philosophy is protect the football and force turnovers on the other end on, on defense and, and win the turnover battle. And he's and he's really it's it's a smart approach because in reality that's how you win football games. You know, you can really align the turnover differential rankings every season with the standings and see that there's clear correlation between, you know, limiting turnovers on offense, forcing turnovers on defense and winning football games. And that's really what Taylor brings. Um, So you're going to see a quarterback who is much more cautious. Um, Now, how will that affect, and I know this is a fantasy football podcast, so, you know, how will that affect the receivers? How will that affect tight ends, Hunter Henry? How will that affect Austin Eckler, a guy who caught 92 passes last year, a lot of those on checkdowns? You know, We'll figure that out, and, and we'll see once the season begins. But in terms of how the offense will look different, it's going to be a lot more quarterback movement. You're going to see a lot of zone read and read options. You're going to see a lot more play action, a lot more bootlegs. Um, and that's something that Anthony Lynn has always kind of wanted to do. But great coaches, when they get to a new team, are always going to build their schemes around the players they have. And so you have a guy in Phillip Rivers who's a Hall of Fame, potentially a Hall of Fame quarterback. You're going to build your offense around him and try and maximize his capabilities. Now Anthony Lynn can kind of build the offense in his own image with a guy in Tyra Taylor who has a lot of familiarity with and can do a lot of the things that have sort of swept the league over the last two, three seasons. You know, I think the offense is going to look a lot like the Ravens offense. You know, obviously Tyra Taylor and Justin Herbert aren't Lamar Jackson because no one's Lamar Jackson. But Greg Roman and Anthony Lynn coached together in Buffalo in 2015-2016. And I think Anthony Lynn, you know, likes a lot of those kind of concepts as far as getting the quarterback moving around and, and having a guy back there who can, you know, scramble for a first down on third ten, which is something the Chargers haven't had, you know, since Philip Rivers took over as starting quarterback 14 years ago. I wonder, what will it take 
for Justin Herbert to possibly get an opportunity in his rookie season? Is there just a plan for him to take over at some point, or do you think it's really more about just Taylor's performance and whether or not that opens the door for that change to even take place? Yeah, the, the one word that they're preaching internally with the Chargers and, and even externally, they'll, they'll say it publicly, is just patience. That's the one word. They are going to be as patient as humanly possible with Justin Herbert because they see him eventually developing into that franchise quarterback. But they also know that forcing a guy onto, a, onto the field too early can be very detrimental to his career, especially if you don't have great protection. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a situation where Taylor starts all 16 games. Um, you know, it would take a real disaster for Herbert to touch the field, whether that's COVID-related, injury-related, or Taylor playing so poorly that the Chargers are, you know, 2-8 and eight through 10 games. Um, but they are going to be patient with him. It's going to take a lot or a very unfortunate situation for Herbert to get on the field. Um, and, and a big factor in that is that no rookies have been able to get on the field yet. And we still don't know exactly when they're going to get on the field because everyone's saying, yeah, July 28th. But all I see is, you know, spikes and, and rising cases across the country. And it's like, okay, how does that really compute? How does that really make sense? Are we really going to see teams on the field in the 28th? And so that uncertainty surrounding him, especially for a rookie quarterback, and you can go even one step further with Justin Herbert. He is renowned as an incredibly intelligent human being and football player. The key for him is can he take that whiteboard intelligence, that classroom intelligence, and apply it onto the field and process the information as fast as you need to process it as an NFL quarterback. And the only way you know if he can do that is if he gets on the field in, and takes live reps in practice and gets into preseason games and that sort of thing. And the longer it takes for him to get to there, the longer it's going to take for him to make that transition. And that's why I just, you know, it's not a situation where they're going to put him on the field until he's absolutely ready. And they've set themselves up with the cap and with the roster where they have Taylor here on a very reasonable contract and they can play him the whole season if they want to. And the other factor in all of it is that Anthony Lynn wants to give Tyrod Taylor a genuine shot to be a starting quarterback. It's not something he's had in his career. Uh, he got benched for Nathan Peterman in Buffalo. Nathan Peterman. He got, I mean, in Cleveland, he started three games, got a concussion, and it was Baker. Baker was in, and that was it. And he, so he hasn't really had an opportunity to be a starting quarterback with the full support of the organization. And so you factor that all together, and I, you know, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see Herbert seeing the field really at any, at any point this season unless something goes terribly wrong. Uh, Philip Rivers' departure, not the only big one for this team. Melvin Gordon, of course, still in the division, but off to the Denver Broncos, and that makes Austin Eckler the unquestioned number one back on this team. We know that. We know he's going to be heavily involved running the ball, obviously catching the ball, but the big question from a fantasy perspective is, do they make him a true bell cow along the lines of a touch percentage that we see for guys like Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley? Does he get that share of backfield touches for this team? No, I, it's just not in the philosophy of the organization. You talk to Tom Telesco, the general manager of the team, he's the one who's really controlling everything. Um, and he believes in sharing the load at running back. Um, you know, ultimately, it's about you know preventing that devastating injury to your really good players. And a guy like Austin Eckler, he is a little bit undersized. Um, and really, but with any running back, you put that kind of load on a running back in today's game, um, and you're going to end up with an injury and, or, you know, you're going to end up with a guy who's, who starts declining earlier than he would have otherwise, if you had sort of split the load, they believe in splitting the load. And that's why they went out and they drafted Joshua Kelly in the fourth round, because they want to have three solid backs, uh, that, that can, that can do various things for them offensively. When Joshua Kelly's case, it's about running between the tackles and being sort of that physical presence that, that Melvin Gordon was. Um, and so you're going to see it split. And the one thing with Austin Eckler is he, he is very unique. Um, you know, obviously Chris, Christian McCaffrey can line up in lots of different places, but 
Eckler will still fill that running back wide receiver hybrid role. He's not going to be solely a running back just because you're taking so much of his skill set away if you're only lining him up in the backfield. He can line up out. I mean, he can line up out wide, and if you put a safety on him out there, he's going to beat him deep for a, for a, a touchdown over the top. He can beat you know linebackers in 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 the slot, nickel corners in the slot on 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 on, on uh, you know slant patterns and, and things of that nature and 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 outbreaking routes and and so he has the skill set that you don't want to diminish it by only keeping him in the backfield. And so you're going to see a lot of a lot of sets where you have. Austin Eckler either in the slot or outside, and then Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly in the backfield. A lot of these two running back sets where Austin Eckler is really a wide receiver, but then you have the, the option to, you know, say motion him to the backfield and have two backs in the backfield and you have all these different options with Austin Eckler in the field. Um, and, and another thing that's going to make the offense more multifaceted is a guy they drafted in the fifth round, Joe Reed, who also has that kind of running back wide receiver hybrid type skill set. So you could see a situation where you have two guys on the field who could line up in any place at any time. And it gives them just an, an immense amount of options as far as what they could do, especially if you start implementing a lot of motion into the offense, which I expect them to do this season. You know, we're thinking about uh, Tyrod Taylor and the changes in the offense and how that might impact Keenan Allen, who's seen as one of the best route runners in the league, obviously had a great rapport with Phillip Rivers. And what what Allen does, it's not all about huge separation. It's just about having an accurate quarterback and just making plays. Thinking about Taylor and Allen and how those guys are going to work, are you looking at Allen as a player who might lose some target share you know, as a result of, of Taylor's relative strengths and weaknesses? Right. Well, I think like the, the number of targets are going to decrease on aggregate. Like They're going to throw the ball less because of Taylor's decision-making and also how the offense is going to run. Um, and so you know, with that in mind, t- Allen's targets are going to decrease as well. But here's a little anecdote that I can share with you that will sort of indicate sort of you know, how, how this could end up with Keenan Allen, and, you know, I was talking to him after the Chiefs game, the season finale, and I was, you know, obviously telling him, like, hey, you know, this could have been Phillips' last game. Like, you know, have you thought about it? You know, have you have you have you considered the fact that this could have been your last game with the guy who's literally thrown you every pass in your NFL career? And he said, No, I I don't want to think about it because I don't want to envision a reality where he's not here. And he told me that in that Chiefs game, he and Phillip had looked at each other, no hand motions, no signals, no nothing, just eye contact, and that had told Keenan. To change his route, he saw the. They both saw the defender playing inside leverage. So instead of running a post, he ran a flag to the corner, and he scored a touchdown. I mean, you can't teach that. That is just two guys that have spent so much time together, and on top of that, a quarterback in Philip Rivers who's willing to make those kinds of backyard plays that has made him such a great quarterback. That's what you're losing. And like you said, you know, so many of Keenan's catches are. You know, these quick breaking, either slants or out routes, five yards, six yards. But th- those are key on third and four, third and five. That's the guy you're going to. Um, you know, Philip was willing to put the ball into really tight spots and risk interceptions, even on those six-yard throws. Tyra Taylor is not going to risk those, especially when the coaching staff is mandating, hey, listen, all you got to do is protect the ball, manage the game, and let our really, really good defense win us football games. Um, and so I think you could see a decrease in Allen's production. But at the same time, I'm never going to bet against the guy because he is doubted. He's been doubted his entire career. Every time you see one of these tweets, that's the top five receivers in the NFL, you know, this, who's the best route runner. He's never on those lists. And I, t- I will tell you, I've, you know, spent spending the last year with the guy. He sees every single one of those and he takes every <laughs> single one of them personally. And so if I was going to sit here and say, Oh yeah, I think Keenan's going to be a worse player. He'd find it, he'd listen to it, and he'd use it as fuel and motivation, and he'd prove me wrong. So I'm not going to bet against the guy, but there are a lot of factors that would make you consider, well, it's certainly possible that his production could decrease just because the passing attack in general 
is going to decrease with a different quarterback and a different offensive scheme. Yeah, well, here's something he might see and certainly wouldn't like if he does uh, fantasy drafters, early ones at least, definitely expecting a step back because of the reasons that you're saying being drafted as the number 22 wide receiver by ADP behind guys like uh, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley. So definitely expecting a little step back, at least in terms of that bottom line production, which is really what it's all about in the fantasy world. And speaking of bottom line production, we're still waiting for a do-it-all season, right, from Mike Williams. Two years ago, he had the 10 touchdowns. The yards weren't quite there. Last year, goes over 1,000 yards for the first time in his career, but just two touchdowns. We know he's probably not going to be a huge reception guy just by his nature and by the nature of this offense with Tyrod Taylor at the helm. But is this a year where we can start to see him put it together, both the yards and getting into the end zone? I think so. And here's the, the one detail with Mike Williams' season last year that Mike had overlooked a little bit. He severely injured his knee in the first game of the season to the point where he was hobbling pretty much every snap from there on. And every time he bumped the knee, he would have to come out of the game. This is something he dealt with for 17 weeks and still led the league in yards per reception. It was still making these outrageous acrobatic catches. Uh, he needed a cleanup surgery after the season. And like I talked to him towards the end of the season. He's like... I can't even explain how much pain I was in week to week. And so you're looking at a guy who put up his first 1,000-yard season on a bum knee, basically. So what could he do if he's fully healthy? That's going to be the key. Can he stay fully healthy? He has had some injuries in his career. And just the way he plays and just how much he sells out for those 50-50 balls, he is going to have some bumps and bruises. That's just the NFL, and especially with his style of play. A healthy Mike Williams, I think, could have it in monstrous season. I really do. Um, you know, considering what he was able to do last year with the knee injury. Uh, the question is, can he get in the end zone? It was so bizarre last year because you have this big potty guy who, you know, in theory should be always putting up touchdowns. Um, you know, it was just like these unlucky situations where, you know, they had a, a, a bunch of red zone turnovers, fumbles at the goal line. So the opportunities were, weren't really there, but it was a little bit head scratching. I would expect his touchdowns to increase this year. Um, but he wants, I mean, he wants to put up 1300 yards. And I think he's certainly capable of that on, with a healthy body. Let's talk about Hunter Henry for a moment. I think the only question there is ultimately if he can stay healthy. I think talent-wise, he's one of the top six or seven tight ends in the league. And the health concerns are baked into the average draft position. When healthy, how large do you think his role will be in this offense? Yeah, well, I think it was evidence for the second half of last year. He was putting up numbers on par with you know Travis Kelsey and some of the best tight ends in football. Um and, and that's what he can do when he's on the field and, and comfortable and healthy. Um, you know, it's hard to put his injury last year in, in sort of this bucket of injury prone. Like, I think a lot of the time too many injuries get, get put into that bucket when some of them are just freak things. Like, this is football. These are 250-pound men running at each other full speed. Like, something's going to happen. You know, you know, obviously, if you have a lot of muscle injuries, that's, an, that's a concern. A lot of hamstrings and calves and that sort of thing. But this was a helmet to his knee, and it broke his kneecap. Like, what is he going to, like, drink more milk to make sure his bones are stronger? Like, uh, you know, I think any human being that takes a, a, a helmet from an NFL football player directly to his kneecap is going to suffer an injury. Um, I think the, you know, and talking to him, like, he, he, he wears this stuff. Like, when people call him injury prone, like, it affects him personally. Like, when he got hurt, he said he cried because he just, like, was so devastated that he could not be on the field and be present, which he felt like was a big part of who he was as a football player. Um and so, but he, the, the encouraging part was that he came back from that injury. He only missed four games. And then he was outstanding the second half of the season as a pass catcher and also as a run blocker. You know, I, I view him as a top five tight end in football all around. Obviously, the, the run blocking doesn't show up in fantasy football. Um, but they didn't really bring in 
anyone to compete with him and to contend with him. Um, you know, they have Virgil Green, who's sort of a run-blocking, older tight end. They signed Donald Parham out of the XFL, but he's not really a run-blocker. Uh, he's more of like a big target downfield, and he's sort of a fringe roster guy. So Hunter Henry's the guy as a tight end. And, you know, going back to what I talked about earlier with the offensive scheme changes, the Ravens use a whole lot of tight end in their in their offense. Um, and so I would imagine that Hunter Henry's going to have an even bigger role than he had last season, which is saying something because he was a huge part of the offense for the second half of the season. Um, but, you know, as you say, it's all about staying on the field. If he can if he can play for 16 games, all of a sudden he's going to start appearing as this very clear top five tight end in football. He's there talent-wise, but you've got to put up the production to be in that conversation ultimately. Changes certainly afoot with the Chargers. will be very interesting to see how it all plays out this year. That's our Chargers beat writer, Daniel Popper. Daniel, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, You can follow Daniel on Twitter at Daniel R. Popper, and that's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are out there on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere like that, please rate, review, and subscribe. We really do appreciate it. And also, you can get yourself a free 30-day trial if you go to The Athletic dot com slash football in 15 access to everything we do here at the athletic for free for a month for daniel popper and Derek van riper i'm michael beller fantasy football in 15 will be back with you next week have a great holiday weekend everyone